coming on the clouds Kings and kingdoms will bow down And every chain will break As broken hearts declare His praise Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah He's roaring with power He's fighting our battles Every knee will bow before Him Our God is the Lamb The Lamb that was slain For the sin of the world His blood breaks the chains Every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb Oh, every knee will bow before Him So open up the gates, make way before the King of Kings. Our God who comes to save is here to set the captives free. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power. Fighting our battles, every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains, every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before Him. Stop the Lord Almighty. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power. And he's fighting our battles Every knee will bow before him Our God is the Lamb The Lamb that was slain For the sin of the world His blood breaks the chains Every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb Oh, every knee will bow before him Hallelujah. Y'all may be seated. Just a reminder, don't make me come get you and put a donut hole in your hand, okay? <laughs> really good to be back again. Oh, I guess I can use this. My name is John R. West. A few quick announcements. Uh, nursery is available today if we don't know. Zero to five years old. But if anybody was going to take advantage of that, I think they probably already did. Uh, youth group meets tonight here at the church at 5.30, correct? Here? Awesome. 
Um, ladies Fellowship Game Night. Family Life Center, 6.30. And yes, we're going to be playing. Last, last time we did this, a few months ago, there was a very raucous game of Uno. <laughs> there was lots of noise over at the Uno table. There was also a much quieter game of Settlers of Catan. We're playing anything. So come on out, bring a snack, and yeah, come have fun. Awesome. Family prayer night, Tuesday, August the 25th at 5.30. So uh, come join us here for uh, just uh, church family prayer. Uh, baptism, August 30th. If anybody's interested, um, like more information, please uh, contact the office. Um, uh, save the date, the, the, the return. This is a, uh, an event, a national call um, for the gathering of all believers for the purpose of repentance and revival. Scheduled for September the 26th. That's a Saturday. Um, main event is going to be held in the mall um, in D.C., but locally, we're, there's going to be an event at the uh, State Line Speedway. So next week, there will be flyers and, and more details. If anybody's got any questions, you can talk to either me or, uh, or uh, Tracy Mertens outside. Um, tutoring. Not funny when they have an announcement about tutoring, they have me give it. Not sure what that means. Um, I am actually, we're kind of excited about a ministry opportunity. We have been praying through uh, as an office staff and as elders, just got, what would God have us do to be impacting our community, especially now? Uh, and one of the things that came up was this idea of, of offering tutoring to our community for parents who are homeschooling their kids for the first time uh, because our schools are shut down. And so um, what we're wanting to, to do is gather some of our people who have a passion for that, either a, a background in school or, or um, homeschooling your kids now, or just a passion to serve and minister to kids uh, and parents, because we see it as being a twofold ministry. One, uh, helping parents deal with their, uh, the, the, the burden of their children. We feel like that's a ministry opportunity for us, but also the education process of, uh, I mean, we got a lot of families that are working two jobs, and uh, both parents are working, and they're trying to educate their kids, and there's just a lot of things that go into that. Um, and so we're thinking about things like uh, Zoom meetings for, for parents or teachers that maybe have some medical issues that don't want to be in person with somebody, but they still want to serve. We think we could, we could make that available for people that want to engage in that, but also the possibility of having somebody meet with a family and help work with mom and dad or, or whoever the teaching unit of that home is to do, deal with that, even to the point of opening up the doors here and creating a space for people to gather around a table and a, a fun part would be if we actually had like a math day and where we had somebody that could work with a few kids or an English day um, where somebody could come and help different people do do some of those things. We're even dreaming about possibly doing things like uh, uh, labs where somebody teaches kids how to build a birdhouse or some, just interesting things that where we could engage our community. So the request is if you have any interest in that, any background or any desire at all to help, would you email us, call the office this week? We're going to be gathering that team and start to, to look to put together an, a, a, a action steps here in the next couple of weeks uh, to get this started and hopefully fired up mid-September. 
So let us know if you're interested. Let us know what, what if you have ideas, other thoughts you may have that are better than ours on how to help do this and how to reach our community for the gospel um, through education. Wouldn't that be awesome if we could do that? Would you join us as we continue to worship this morning? Uh, take it away. Would you join us for Oh, Come to the Altar? Hurting and broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of sin, Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. to the altar the father's arms are open wide forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ leave behind your regrets and mistakes come today there's no reason to wait Jesus is calling bring your sorrows and trade them for joy from the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with The precious blood of Jesus Christ Oh, come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, what a Savior, isn't he? is risen bow down before him for he is lord of all sing hallelujah christ is risen oh what a
down before him, for he is Lord of all. Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Bear your cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasure you found. You rescued me 
could stand and sing I am a child of God You split the sea so I could walk right through it My fears were drowned in perfect love You rescued me so I could stand and sing I am the child of God I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I'm no longer a slave to fear Jesus, and we thank you for all the promises that you've given us through your word and uh, through your testimony within the Gospels. And I just pray for a blessing on all the words that uh, Shane's going to say today and that they would be uh, moved by your spirit, that they would be your words, and uh, that they would uh, pierce our hearts as a spear is long, and that we may gain understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Hey, how you guys doing? I am very grateful <clears throat> uh, for Gary and Travis and uh, other guys that God has blessed us with to come and preach uh, so that Sal and I can sneak away from time to time and, and do other things. Um, we had this wonderful vacation planned, and then we um, started working on our house, and so there wasn't as much rest as what we had intended, but it was good. It was it was a good distraction, and, and we got away, and um, so it, w- it was wonderful. And I'm glad to be back, and I'm, it's really good to see some of you here. I was thinking, um, even as we were singing, uh, sometimes it's hard when the space is empty to realize that we're still involved as a body. And um, one of the things that's weird about this time is how many people are actually watching um, the services online still um, not always with us right now. We've been actually, it's very interesting. We've been finding that a number of people are watching this later. Um, they're not. It's not actually live. Um, and so, uh, I, you know, in my head, I have that juvenile head. I think to myself, how can we do something cool that only happens for the people that are here for a live event, um, so that they'll, you know, be missing out if they're not watching it live. But I don't quite know how to do that yet. So, um, but it is running through my head. Um, Man, what an encouraging uh, sermon from Gary last week, right? Suffering for all who follow Jesus. It's going to happen. Parents will turn in parents, and 
uh, or children, and children will turn in their parents, and uh, the government, isn't that great? If you guys didn't watch it, you should go back and watch. Uh, it's, it's an important time that Jesus is taking his disciples through. He's preparing them, and we're going we're gonna to look at some of, uh, of, I think we'll actually see in here uh, some encouragement as we wrap up the text this morning, um, and as we continue, and, and Gary left for me the coming of the Lord, which I really appreciated, um, and as I was wrestling through that this week, I realized the volume of scripture that deals with this is immense, um, and so of the... <laughs> It's just I have I have an entire page just full of scripture references um, that I've tried to slim down to only the 42 passages we're going to look at. This I'm kidding, we're not doing that many. Um, but it felt like it this week as I, I'm just reading through and, and rereading. So we're going to spend a, a good portion of our morning actually in the Old Testament today. Um, we're probably going to, it's possible that we're actually going to look at a passage that I had to take, it took me a little bit of time to find one of the references this week, because I knew about where it was, but I hadn't been there in a long, long time, and so I was, I actually did the, uh, you guys ever done this where you get close to the area, and then you start like fanning the pages, looking for the name, oh, there he is, I did that this week, so you may have fun doing that this week as well. But it's very interesting, and it's been, a, it's been an encouragement and a real challenge this week um, as I've been preparing uh, in the passage. We're in Mark chapter 13, uh, verses 24 through 27. Um, have you guys ever had somebody that just tells a story and, that, and they use spectacular language to accomplish their story? Like they're telling you about an event and, and when you get done, you're, you're thinking to yourself, it's not possible that it was that good. Um, I'm not going to tell you who in my family is really good at those kind of stories, but of the three of our, my, my siblings, two of us are really good at them. I'm one of them, I've heard. Uh, my stories tend to get pretty good, and they get better as I get older. I don't know if you guys have noticed that in your lives. But this is one of those times where, as Jesus is sharing with his disciples, he's giving them pertinent information. You know, up to this moment, as he's sharing with them what's coming, what's going to happen uh, to them and to the church, uh, the the physical suffering, the the the, the persecution that they're going to face as they walk with God in this process was about a, a lot about life on Earth. It was the the families turning them over to the governments and and the suffering that they were going to uh, were going to actually. Experience because of who he was and because of their walk with him and and the faith that they had in Christ, just as he was going to suffer. And again, they couldn't have seen it because they hadn't actually watched him suffer yet. So they were had to be just in awe of all of the stuff that was happening and all of what he was saying. But it was very physical. It was very immediate. And and they actually experienced much of what he shared with them up to that point. And then in verse twenty four. It looks like he shifts gears just a little bit, and, and suddenly he starts talking about the cosmos. He starts talking about the heavens and the stars and the sun and the moon, and it becomes a spectacular moment. And so read with me this morning, Mark chapter 13, verses 24 through 27. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. 
And the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in heaven in the heavens will be shaken. And they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. The first thing I want to do is I want to be really careful, um, and let's just... Let's deal with what's not there. And that was, I was actually reading uh, one of the commentaries on this, and I thought it was very interesting that as he began to, to write about this particular area, he actually uh, reminded us to remember what's not there. So let's just take a second and, and talk through that for just a moment. Um, a couple of things that you'll see that aren't referenced in this passage. One's the millennium. There's no talk of the millennial reign that's not here in this passage. We'll see it in other places, but it's not here this morning. No restoration of Israel, the new Jerusalem's not there, the new temple. No Armageddon. We don't see any of those things referenced as far as the specifics go. He's not, he's not teaching specifically on those things. And another interesting thing is the specifics of Christ's return. We're not addressing the tribulation. Are you post-trib, pre-trib, mid-trib, hap-trib? Hap-trib, I made that up. That's not a thing. I'm just throwing that out there. But sometimes, don't you feel like that's how it's going? Um, I, I interact with Dennis a lot, and we're both pan, uh, pan-millennialists. We think it'll be pan-tribulist. Yeah, P- yep, it's all going to pan out in the end. Um, whatever God does, that's how it's going to work. Turns out it's really fu- It is, well, it's not always funny, but it's kind of funny. That doesn't work really great in your, um, in your ordination council. They, they didn't think that was as funny as I thought it was when they asked me about the whole thing. I kind of gave them that, and they looked at that a little differently. But what's interesting is that that's not here at this point. Jesus is not giving them the details of what's coming. Uh, he, he's giving them a snapshot of this picture, but, but it's a spectacular picture. And, and so what do we see that is here? So there's, there's several things that aren't that we can find in Revelation, and we'll find another text. But one of the things that is happening at this moment is an incredible cosmic event, right? We have the sun and the moon not giving its light. The stars are falling from heaven. The earth is being shaken. The powers in heaven are being shaken. This is an incredible moment. And it's, it's everything's going to experience it. You know, now when we have bad things happen, right, they, they, they kind of happen distantly to us. There was an earthquake uh, not too long ago that, would, that shook, and, and even my house shook a little bit, and I'm like, yeah, there's an earthquake. Suddenly, it becomes a little bit more real when it's happening and your house is moving, right? When it happens on the other side of the country, it's kind of like, okay, off to work. Where's my coffee? You know, we, we treat it a little bit differently, and when real big tragedies happen, sometimes we mobilize and we go and help, but, but many, many times we don't feel the impact. This is an event that Jesus is sharing that everyone's going to notice. No one will miss this, whether in heaven or on earth, whether in our physical dimension or whether it's in the spiritual dimension, uh, dimension of the powers of heaven, the angels. And then Christ returns, and he gathers his people. What an amazing truth. What, what great hope that there is in this text. And I love what Jesus does, right? So he's sharing with his disciples all the things that they're going to suffer. And then he says, and check out the end. Huge crescendo at the end of this. And then I come back, and I gather my elect. I gather my people. 
There's great hope and there's great encouragement. But so let's take a little bit, and I want to open this up just a a bit, because part of what was challenging and part of what the the encouragement and the caution, the the, the warning that I think comes from this morning as well, is the the substance of what's uh, the passages that I think Jesus is actually quoting from, the references that he's actually drawing from. Um, so when we think about the Old Testament, we think about the sun and the moon and him talking about these things. Um, we go start back all the way in Isaiah, and there's, there's many, many passages. I, I just want to share with you. I grabbed just a couple of the passages of a pile. I have a whole list that I wrote out on this paper, and was, as I was going through, I'm trying to decide which ones we're going to use. I, I just grabbed four. So we're going to look at those this morning. But uh, jump into your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 13. Starting in verse 6. And I'll just tell you ahead of time, um, this isn't the most pleasant, uh, like this isn't the make you feel really good about life verses. Some of these are, pr- are pretty pretty devastating um, scripture as far as what's coming for the wicked. Isaiah 13, verse 6, Wail for the day of the Lord is near. As destruction from the Almighty, it will come. Therefore, all hands will be feeble, and every human heart will melt. They will be dismayed. Pangs and agony will seize them. They will be in anguish like a woman in labor. They will look aghast at one another. Their faces will be aflamed. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, with wrath and fierce anger, to make the land a desolation and to destroy its sinners from it. For the stars of the heavens and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be dark at its rising, and the moon will not shed its light. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will put an end to the pomp of the arrogant, and lay low the pompous pride of the ruthless. I will make people more rare than fine gold, and mankind than the gold of Ophir. Therefore I will make the heavens tremble, and the earth will be shaken out of its places, at the wrath of the Lord of hosts in the day of his fierce anger. Wow. The day of the Lord. For those who are arrogant, for those who are filled with pride, for those who are uh, 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 for for the world and its evil, the day of the Lord brings great agony, great anguish, destruction. Isaiah twenty four verse nineteen. Isaiah verse, uh, yeah, chapter 24, starting in verse 19, says this, The earth is utterly broken. The earth is split apart. The earth is violently shaken. The earth staggers like a drunken man. It sways like a hut. Its transgressions lie heavy upon it, and it falls and will not rise again. On that day, the Lord will punish the host of heaven, the hosts of heaven in heaven, and the kings of the earth on the earth. They will be gathered together as prisoners in a pit. They will be shut up in a prison. After many days, they will be punished. Then the moon will be confounded and the sun ashamed. For the Lord of hosts reigns on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, and his glory will be before his elders. 
It's amazing there are many more passages, and they continue to say the same thing. And, and it's this idea of this picture of God's judgment coming on the wicked, the sun and the moon being blotted out and the stars falling from the sky. All of those things are happening on this day, in this great day of judgment, when this cosmic event happens. And that's what Jesus is pointing to his disciples to. Yay! Right? I mean, it's like, wow! And when, when Jesus speaks of these, the, the prophecies that happened all throughout the Old Testament would be familiar to the Jewish boys that have been hearing the stories and the anticipation of the day of the Lord and the judgment that's going to come on the wicked. I believe that that was part of their, their hope in the Messiah. Would he, he was going to come and make all of those things right and put, put their world back to the way that it was. Another reference that was intriguing to me, and, and I wanted to take just a second and share a little bit about um, this reference. It's in Zephaniah. I'll give you some time to start looking for that. Zephaniah was a prophet. He was, a, uh, he was actually a, a descendant of King Hezekiah, and he was a prophet during the time. Uh, his, the end of his, uh, or the beginning of his prophecy came when Josiah was king of, of Jerusalem or king of Judah at the time. And he actually was doing some good things, trying to get rid of all of the, the idol worship and return people back to worshiping the Lord. And after Josiah's death, his successors were incredibly evil. Zephaniah's uh, a prophecy, time of prophecy, was during the time of Jeremiah, Nahum, and Habakkuk. It was towards the end of Jerusalem and end of Israel's or the uh, Judah's uh, freedom before they went into captivity, and it was a horrible, horrible time um, for the nation of Israel uh, as they prophesied. And Zephaniah's primary work was prophesying on the day of the Lord. When you read this passage, you'll see his, the major focus that he puts on his prophecy is the day of the Lord. And it's a very, very short book. Um, again, towards the end of the New Testament. Our Old Testament, thank you. That's the one. Yeah, three chapters. So Zephaniah says this. Look at Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 14. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud. <clears throat> Excuse me, cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness, uh, darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blasts and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. I will bring distress on mankind so that they shall walk like the blind. Because they have sinned against the Lord, their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord. In the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed for a full and sudden end. He will make all of the inhabitants of the earth. This moment that is being that Jesus is referencing is again one of the great cosmic events. It is substantial. It is uh, final. It is a major deal. And Jesus is referencing that for his disciples. And, and I believe it, the, the intent in this is to encourage them, to remind them of what the, their hope is and who Jesus is. And in the Revelation, uh, John actually gives uh, some of the insight 
um, as to the idea of the sun and the moon going away and more con- uh, um, kind of fulfilling this whole prophecy and, and wrapping this up uh, from the sun and the moon as far as it being from uh, the end and, and um, this final day, and that's in Revelation chapter 6, starting in verse 12, and it says this, When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, and the moon, <clears throat> the full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth. As the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale, the sky vanishes like, vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone slave and free hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of their wrath has come who can stand. Part of the reason I wanted to read all of those different passages was just so that we would get a grasp of the significance and the weight of this event that's coming for those who don't know the Lord. For those who are not his elect, this day of judgment is incredible. And it's, it's broadly spoken of in Scripture. There are so many other references, and it's just amazing. And a little bit terrifying, right? That's going to be a horrible, horrible day. I think to myself at times, how many of my neighbors are deceived by life around them thinking that, that they've got everything figured out, that life is good? Yeah, it's not great. I mean, we have problems. But how many of them are, are walking in this, in this deception of the earth and would stand in opposition to God, would be there at that day suffering. Second thing that we see in, in this particular area is the stars falling and the powers in heaven shaken. And, you know, when, it, when you start looking at some of this, uh, I don't totally know what it means that the powers in heaven are shaken. I'm not 100% sure where to go with that. So I'll show you a, a couple of passages of Scripture that that talk a little bit about this particular area, but I don't know that I have it really figured out other than it's going to happen, and it's going to be something supernatural, and it's going to be something in the spiritual realm that we somehow will be aware of and see as this happens, as this event takes place. Look at Isaiah chapter 34. I do want to encourage you. There is encouragement coming, so just hang with me. Isaiah chapter 34, verses 1 through 4. Draw near, O nations, to hear, and give attention, O peoples. Let the earth hear and all that fills it, the world and all that comes from it. The Lord is enraged against all the nations and furious against all their hosts. He has devoted them to destruction, has given them over for slaughter. Their slain shall be cast out, and the stench of their corpses shall rise. The mountains shall flow with their blood. All the hosts of heaven shall rot away, and the skies rolled up like a scroll. And all their hosts shall fall as leaves fall from the vine, like leaves falling from a fig tree. There's this picture of, of the leaves falling and, and, and of the hosts of heaven falling. 
And Jesus is referencing here that the, the, the stars will fall from heaven. How many of you guys have those trees with leaves that fall? Don't you love those things? I have the blessing of a neighbor who um, has uh, the, the aspens in our backyard. And there's like seven or eight of them right on the fence line. And for whatever reason, I don't know how it works, that wind blows from the east to the west, I don't know, but they're leaning mostly over my place. And it is phenomenal. The, the shade that I get is absolutely incredible. And so I bought a, a yard sweeper to sweep up the, the truckloads of leaves that I get every year. But we had, we had an event. Um, it was, I don't remember what year it was. It was one of the fall events when it was an incredibly, uh, just a, a really, really bad wind event. And we went out the next morning. I just swept the whole back place, had it, had it pretty well cleaned up. And the next morning we went out and you couldn't see grass on our backyard, and there were, there were like six-inch branches that had come out of the tree along the ground. But in one event, the trees went from having a good portion of their leaves on to having very few of them, just all of a sudden. And, and I think that from my human perspective, that's about what the picture looks like. Somehow, the, 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 this idea of these stars falling from heaven in this moment, in this event... Um, and again, I don't even know if it's happening all at one day. Is this a, is this a series of events? I, I don't know what the time frame is. We don't get it. But somehow it's going to be so noticeable that even in Isaiah, he references it like the, the, the leaves falling off of a tree at the appropriate time. Revelation 12, um, starting in verse 7, we see another picture of a spiritual event that's happening <clears throat> where the, an angel is actually being cast out of heaven. Uh, Revelations 12, verse 7. Now, war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there, were no longer any place, uh, there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent, who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives, even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea. For the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. It's part of what I was wrestling with as I was looking at this going, this is a phenomenal moment. This is an incredible event. There's supernatural things happen. There's spiritual things happen that, that quite frankly, is the, the, the work that's been done to try and understand this and to paint this, we have all kinds of arguments and debates about. But what Jesus is pointing out to his disciples is there is a cosmic event that's going to happen. And in that moment, there will be great things, horrible things for the world. The judgment that comes at the day of the Lord is horrible. The judgment that comes for the evil is horrible. But there's great hope. For those who belong to Christ. Because when all of this stuff happens, when you see all of these things happening, then Christ returns. We see that, right, in verse 26. 
Mark chapter 13, verse 26. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Can you imagine his disciples who are sitting there listening to all this going, wait, we didn't sign up for this. We were with, we're with the Messiah. We're supposed to go and make the kingdom great. We're supposed to go and kick Rome out. We're, we want to sit at your right and left hand. This is supposed to be the victory march. What in the world are you talking about, Lord? Can you imagine being those guys and watching that happen? So in the midst of all of the information that he's given him, all of the, 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 the truth that he's laying on them, trying to encourage them, trying to prepare them for what he's doing, he gives them this picture, this great and terrible day of the Lord that results in the coming of the Son of Man who gathers his elect. And they see him coming in the clouds with great power and glory. I think the irony in this, the thing that, that you can't miss is that they have no clue what's coming, but when Jesus dies and the, the sun goes dark and the earth shakes and the veil is torn, do you think maybe they went back to some of these, some of these things and they're like, wow, is this what he was talking about? And then days later he, he, he meets them as he's ascending into heaven on a cloud and he says, and I'll be back just this way. When you, next time you see me, you'll see me coming on a cloud. Wow. Helps you to kind of believe it a little bit when you, I guess, maybe. I don't know. You think maybe they got a little excited about what they saw Jesus doing when he left? I think they did. They, they ran off and, and, and fulfilled the prophecy that he gave them about all their suffering. The, the, the disciples it changed their whole mind. It changed so much for them. It became a part of how they lived and died for the gospel. Look at Revelation chapter 19. When we think about Jesus coming back in power and glory, I think this is a great picture of it. Revelation 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it, called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe, robe dripped or dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the word of the Lord. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We have the benefit of actually seeing Scripture and, and, and the revelation that John has given us to, to gain even a greater picture of what Jesus is sharing in Mark. And for those of us that are his children, this is a great, great reality. 
the caution that grabbed me as I was wrestling with this this week, though, and it's I think I think we need to wrestle with this, and then we're going to end. Uh, I've got a couple of uh, just a couple of New Testament passages with it. I believe are very encouraging, but the real the wrestling point for me, as I saw the encouragement, I also um, was challenged in my heart to say, you know, Israel believed that they were okay. Israel believed that they were the chosen nation of Israel. And when the Messiah came back, he was going to restore them into power and, and restore their worship and that they were going to receive their reward and, and, and be called the faithful. And yet when Jesus returned, he called them, the, the leaders of the church, he called them sons of the devil. And we see throughout the Old Testament uh, and into the New Testament where, where God says, I don't want your sacrifice. I don't want your religion. I want you. I want obedience. So sometimes when I read about the day of the Lord, when I read about this great judgment, my caution in my heart is, man, are, are we as a church, are we confident in our religion? Do we do we invite? Do we are we excited about the, the the day of the Lord because we think that we're good, we're in, we're we're covered? I, I think there's some hope in that. There's some joy in that. But the reality is, we should probably come to that moment. Uh, we should probably look at that or look at our daily lives with with the idea of great uh, concern. David himself says, "God, search my heart and know me." See if there's any wicked or, or anxious way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Uh, David cries out to God. He, he goes, he, he, I love Psalm 139 because he, he praises God for who he is. He says, no matter where I go, you're this spectacular God that, that is not bound by anything human that, that can't, you know, I can't get away from you. I can't hide from you. You knew me in my womb before I was even born. You knew me. You created me. And then he ends with, search my heart. Matthew 7 tells us that Jesus will say to those who come to his to the judgment and, and they'll say, Lord, Lord, we did all these things in your name and he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. I think the challenge that I found in my heart was to say, God, I don't want to be confident in religion. This great and awesome day of the Lord comes with great terror for those who do not belong to him. So one of the things that I've been wrestling with this week is saying, God, do I know you? Do I live in obedience to you? Is my life marked by the, by the effect of your truth being in it? Guys, you know I have my moments, right? I have those moments where I realize just how incredibly petty and selfish I am. I had one last night. So I'm preparing for this, and my bride's like, hey, are you ready for your sermon tomorrow? And we're driving home, and uh, a group of people decided that riding their bikes uh, down the middle of the road, even when car, they didn't move over for cars, like they just sat in the street and kept riding both directions. They had the whole road blocked, like eight, eight people. And uh, I drove right through them, pretty close to their car, and, and I had my loud car, so I, I stomped on the gas until it was screaming. And I got to tell you, 
I, I think had I had all four of my boys in there, we would have gotten out of the car and gotten them off the road because they were, they were driving straight into cars, making cars stop and, and have to swerve around them. Uh, like I hit, I hit, uh, you know, the law enforcement needs some help mode. I did. And I wanted to take matters into my own. Actually, no, I wanted to take their matter into my hands. Yeah, you, you'll get that in just a moment. I was furious because of several reasons. It was just stupid. It was dangerous. What's the point of that? Is that, the, is that what we have coming? Is that the culture we have coming? I don't like that reality, you guys. I don't like it at all. And I got angry. So where's my hope? Where's my confidence in the Lord? Am I so wrapped up in this moment, in this reality, that that something that small causes me to become angry? Listen, I'm not saying that we should just ignore that. Honestly, I think a bunch of us old guys should have been there and broke their, bent their tires and told them to walk home. That's what would have happened to me if I was riding my bike like that back, in, back when I was a young kid. You would have never gotten away with that. The old guys would have pulled over, they would have straightened you out, and you would have got home and your mom and dad would have re-straightened you out. But you've got to see what Jesus is doing for his disciples in this moment. They have horrible persecution coming. They're going to watch their Messiah who they think is going to change their world, who's going to set everything right that's been wrong for generations. They're finally going to get their country back. They're finally going to get their kingdom back. They're finally going to get their power back. They're finally going to get their temple back. They're finally going to get their worship. They're going to get it all back, what they've been missing, what, what, his, what the great days of joy of the old Jerusalem, the old kingdom. Look at what Paul shares about this particular day of the Lord that Jesus is referencing in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to Him, we ask you, brothers, not to be too quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. You you see what he's saying there? Hey guys, don't freak out when somebody tells you that the day of the Lord's come. Don't get all excited when the Spirit, did you see that in there? When when there's a Spirit that's making these things, or when there's a letter that looks like it's come. Don't don't get too panicked by by the things that are circling around in in the culture of that time, saying that what you're putting your hope in has already come, that it's not actually there. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know... What is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. 
And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breadth of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan. Verse 12. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing. Because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved, therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe in the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Paul's encouraging the church that it's going to get ugly. And there's going to be the tendency for the church is going to, we're going to want to give up. We're going to want to, we're going to be to come discouraged. And, and we're probably going to get tired of watching all of this stuff happen. And he says, hold on, you guys got to stay put because when God decides to let this happen, when it's finished, it's going to be finished. And he's going to accomplish it. But there's a great deception and a delusion that the world's going to experience that's going to take them through this process. Are we there yet? Sometimes it feels like it, doesn't it? Some days it does. Some days we're like, okay, Lord, we're we're good. Aren't you sure it's time? We're pretty sure it's time. Jesus was encouraging his disciples as he was getting ready to leave in John chapter 14. I'm only going to read, we'll start in verse 25, but... um, you know, again, it's it's a good idea to go back and follow up with passages before because the, the promise of the Holy Spirit starts in verse 15. But John chapter 14, starting in verse 25, says this. <clears throat> These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no, he has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let's go. Jesus is talking about his death on the cross. And he says, my peace I leave with you. Don't be afraid. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I, I, I love how casually he shares with us. In fact, at one point he looks at his disciples and he goes, you guys, if you really loved me, you'd be excited about what's going to happen because I get to go home to be with my father. I get to go be in the presence of my father again. What's he talking about happening? His crucifixion? If you loved me, you'd be excited about this. Why? 
Because the outcome, the eternal outcome is greater than that moment of physical suffering, the difficulty he's facing. The beauty of what Jesus is sharing with his disciples, you guys, this is going to get tough. This is going to be horrible. But the amazing end of this is the great crescendo of all human existence, of all creation. Is that the God who created all of these things comes back and sets it all right. And he gathers his children and everything is put as it should be. Terrible suffering for those who are deceived and those who have chosen evil and wickedness. And the greatest of all things for his elect. And that is that we would be in his presence and that he would make his dwelling place with us. And even Jesus looks at his human death as being something simply Yeah, you guys, I'm going to go meet with God. This is a good thing. (laughs) Yeah, doesn't feel like that, Lord. How amazing is this reality? I want to know God this way. Part of me wants to see the world this way. Part of me wants to, I, I wish I saw the lost. I wish I saw those who, who choose evil over righteousness the way that God does. I wish I could see the lost with his compassion and his love. I wonder sometimes if it's, if it's not a little easier for him because he knows the judgment that's coming. And, and we have a hard time putting our head around even all the stuff that just was shared. Um, and those are just a few of the passages. I, I haven't seen that kind of horrible reality in my life. I want to know the Lord in such a way. That when the world as I know it is failing. When being a Christian becomes more costly. When doing the right thing may actually end in our death. I want to know God so well that I can joyfully walk that path because I understand what he's sharing with his disciples in Mark. That the day of the Lord is coming. And when all of that is finished, Jesus shows up and collects his children. His elect. Father, would you open our eyes to see the truth of who you are? I know this morning, even as I was wrestling with this, uh, there were so many different angles, different ways to go, uh, different things to look at in this text. And um, yet I, I was overwhelmed. with how easy it is to be distracted by the present world. 
and how how easy it had to have been, how big a challenge it had to have been for the disciples to to be distracted by their present world. And then in the midst of that, you share with them this moment, this incredible and awesome day of the Lord that ends with your return. Father, would we, I, I would just ask that you would open our eyes to our own condition. Search our hearts, Lord. Probably my, my greatest concern for, for myself and, and for our nation is that many of us have grown up in church. And I've truly never had to suffer for my faith. Not in a way that would cost me my job or my, my livelihood or family, my life. And so at moments, I, I wonder if I'm not just super religious. And uh, I don't want to be that way. So God, I just pray as, as we wrestle, even this week, as we continue to look at uh, more of your preparation, your process as you head to the cross in in the Gospel of Mark, that you would, um, that you through your Spirit would reveal any areas that you would reveal in our own hearts those places where we are playing church, where we are being religious, and where we're not in relationship with you. Pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear the things that you're doing in your name, Amen. Won't you join us for our final song? A um, little bit of a different version on this one, but I think you'll like it, and let's have some fun. Hmm. Oh, Lord, my God. When I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul. great thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art, when through the woods and forest glades I wander and hear the birds sing sweet in the trees when I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze then sings my soul my Savior God to thee how great thou art 
God his son not sparing sent him to die I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou With shout of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my God how great thou art then sings my soul my Savior God to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul my Savior God to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. Thank you father and how great you are and we love you and we just thank you father for this message here today and i pray that we would take it home with us and not just leave it here in this building but it would be sealed in our hearts uh, by your spirit thank you jesus love you guys have a great week